Welcome to Side Boob Cinema, your podcast within a podcast. I'm joined once again by the salacious Jonathan Astro. Pasties on, G-string in place, I'm ready to go. AJ, how are you? I'm really good and I'm really pumped. I can't wait. <laughs> good. Hey, you, you you jumped on my intro. I was going to say the seductive AJ. Ooh. Oh. If only they could see me. <laughs> Well, so tonight we're doing Showgirls. Uh, This is really, to to a certain degree, the crown uh, jewel of the Showest House oeuvre. So just to get a sense of people's uh, relationship with the film, what what is, had you seen this film before? I've seen it uh, a few times, yeah. I had not. Okay. That's great. So we've got totally fresh. But you must have heard about it over the years. Not really. Oh, really, it's amazing. That that's yeah. great. That's great. Mm. So it was really, really pure. Yeah, amazing. So I mean, I I kind of just want I just want to know everything. So, like, <laughs> did did you like it? Did you enjoy it? Um, I <laughs> it's complicated. <laughs> um, I think after watching the doco, um, that we also watched, it really, yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, it made me. I did like it, but I also didn't like it. <laughs> well, I think I think that's the correct response, though. Yeah, I I think that's that's the response that the entire world has had, Good. like for for decades. And and uh, I mean, we're going to get into we're going to take a deep dive on this, but you know, people, it, it's been slammed as the worst movie ever made. But then, if you view it in a certain way, you have just the most amazing, great time with your pants. You know. Um, <laughs> so we also watched just for context we also watched you don't know me a 2019 documentary uh but directed by jeffrey McHale, and i'm going to do my best to get him on the show uh i really want to know more about this documentary mm. yeah well is he the guy that also wrote the book about showgirls uh no i thought that was a different guy uh right. but uh you know Good, but I, he's I he's interviewed know. a lot in the documentary. yeah i think so i think so so we'll we will uh endeavor to get him on the show to talk about his wonderful documentary, which is mm. about this film. So what are you going to Vegas for? Are you going to win? I'm going to dance. There's a spot open in the chorus line. We're auditioning tomorrow morning. I think you should try out. I got an audition! <laughs> Okay, ladies, I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. From the creators of Basic Instinct, the last time they took you to the edge, this time they're taking you all the way. We take the cash, we cash the check, we show them what they want to see. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. She's going down to the stardust. She's going to be in the show. Right? If someone gets in your way, step on them. It's not fair. It's not about fair. It's about power. You're a stripper. Don't you get it? I'm a dancer. She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's what Las Vegas is all about. The passion is real. I can fall in love with you. 
The desire is intense. You can't touch me, but I can touch you. I'd really love to touch you. And the show is about to begin. Showgirls. Leave your inhibitions at the door. Well, John, tell me, what the fuck is this movie about? Okay, well, <laughs> Naomi Malone, uh, played by Elizabeth Berkeley, a girl from different places, she says. Uh, hitchhikers, hitchhikes to Vegas to make her dreams come true. And as soon as she gets there, uh, she wins and loses all her money, uh, has her bag stolen and is almost hit by a car and makes a, a lifelong friend, Molly, and they just move in together. So... <laughs> Are you with me? <laughs> You're all with me. So anyway, Molly uh, works at backstage at the Stardust Hotel's big show, Goddess. And uh, this is where Nomi uh, meets the star of that show, Crystal Connors, played by Gina Gershon. Uh, she's the woman who has everything that Nomi has ever wanted. Meanwhile, Nomi is grinding away down at the Cheetah, a sleazy topless dive. So Crystal begins to troll Nomi fairly early on turning up at the Cheetah with her boyfriend, Zach Carey, played by... Oh, he's the uh, entertainment director at the Stardust Hotel, and he's played by Carl McLaughlin. Now, Crystal pays $500 for Nomi to give uh, him a lap dance in one of the film's standout scenes, and Crystal's mission seemingly is to show her that she's just a glorified sex worker. So that's, that begins their thread. Crystal pulls some strings and then lands an audition for Nomi in Goddess... Uh, which Nomi aces, uh, then blows when she refuses to ice her nipples. Uh, turns out they liked her spunk, though, and she lands the gig anyway in Goddess. So Nomi begins her campaign of revenge against Crystal, uh, seducing Zach and landing the role as Crystal's understudy. When Crystal has the offer rescinded, Nomi pushes her down the stairs be- between musical numbers, causing her serious injuries and forcing her to quit the show. So Nomi's on top of the world. She has the lead role and her and Molly go to a after party thrown by Zach to celebrate. Now, Molly is sexually assaulted by a, a, a crooner called Andrew Carver, sort of a, a Las Vegas celebrity. Nomi wants Zach to report Carver, but he covers it up and says they can't jeopardize the business relationship that they have with him. He may play one day at the casino. Meanwhile, he's also un- uncovered her big secret that Nomi is actually Polly Ann Costello, a firebrand hooker with a long rap sheet. Nomi reaches out to Carver and he invites her over the hotel thinking they're going to hook up and Nomi gets to jump on him and bashes him senseless in revenge for uh, Molly's rape. She says her goodbyes to Molly, Crystal and Vegas and hits the road again. So, you got a name? I'm Jeff. Nomi. What kind of name is that? My mom was Italian. Italian, huh? You one of those mafia girls? That way you got your blade? What are you going to Vegas for? You gonna win? I'm gonna dance. Maybe one of them real, like, private escort dancers? Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's Showgirls. What did we make of it all? <laughs> is there something wrong with your nipples they're not sticking up play with them a little <laughs> and he did you want me to do it hand gesture <laughs> oh yes <laughs> tony, tony moss yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what about when he goes um 
show us your tits. Come on, ladies. I run a topless show. Show us your tits. Mm, yeah. Very it's nice. unrepentant. It's unrepentant. It really is. You know, just, just, you know, I don't know. Like, because it, it, it's hard to say if that, because you might have the question now. I've been to, I went to Vegas just before Corona. I love Vegas, by the way. And I thought this movie captured it quite well. Uh, but you wonder, is that stuff still going on? You know, like, mm. like. Because presumably back then you just go, oh, yeah, that's pretty much what I thought was going on. But do you reckon now they've cleaned up their act a bit? No. No? No. I don't know. The shows were exactly like Goddess, though. Were they? Like, yeah. I fucking love Las Vegas. AJ, have you been to Vegas? <laughs> no, I have never been. It was fantastic. It's fucking fantastic. <laughs> if you don't like Vegas, you are dead inside. Like, <laughs> now I'm not talking about going there and, um, Becoming you know, a showgirl. <laughs> or becoming a showgirl or, or you know, it's not like going to the, to, the, to the capital or anything and learning anything about, like, uh, history. But at the same time, it's probably the most American part of America. Mm. It's because it's, it's um, you know, the land, it's in, a, in, a, in a sense, it's the land of Donald Trump and um, uh, all of the excess. It's there. Like, like just... There are there are poor little Mexican people like old grandmas handing out like cards with with call girls on them. I have some, <laughs> really, I have some that I use for bookmarks with their with, with their uh, phone numbers on there, and like they, <laughs> has it got their mugshot on there too? Yeah, absolutely, wow. absolutely. And a friend of uh, a mutual friend of ours said that he went there to Vegas once. We're going off track now, but he went to Vegas once, and um, uh. He he was with some pretty loose people, and like one loose guy got got, got a hookup, like or something. And he said, <laughs> he goes, I called the number, and the girl on the card came to the door. Wow, he didn't so get that, catfished. No, so I guess that's probably that's. I think that's Vegas. That to me feels like Vegas. So I was in your suitcase. Nothing, just stuff. Everything I had. I just got here. Welcome to Vegas. You know anybody here? You got any family that you can call? I don't have any family. Where are you from? Back east. From where back east? Different places. This movie is is outrageous. So, uh, AJ, did you watch this alone or did you watch it with Frank? I did. I watched it alone today. Okay. But I will watch it again with Frank. I, I think this is the kind of film you need to watch with other people because it's so outrageous. You you, you need to laugh with someone, you know, to to, it's to a just festival some of the film. Mm. It is, yeah, and it's become like a, well, like a midnight midnight movie, you know. Yes. Yeah, which would be awesome that people know the lines and yeah. yeah. But but even a lot of the gestures, like some of mm. it comes down to uh, Elizabeth Berkeley, like and she's been completely slammed for her bad acting, but a lot of it was Verhoeven's directing to to make everything over the top and and every kind of body move, movement aggressive and mm. you see that in the first 5 minutes of the film you know she she sticks her thumb out she hitches a ride with that guy into Vegas and 
he he's a bit of a sleazy guy. He says, oh, you can sit a bit closer. And what does she do? She pulls out a fucking knife. No, but how does she pull it out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How does she pull it out? She pulls it out in the most dramatic way. She goes, <laughs> like, like, you know, and you like, like, like the sort of stuff you do on stage, like when you're in West Side mm. Story, you know, like you yeah. go, bam, and you yeah. pull out, you do a little flourish when you pull mm. it out. My direction to her would be, okay, it's a knife. You don't need to like do a big movement. Like the knife is the scary thing. But even her dancing, you don't know if she's a good dancer or not, really. <laughs> like most of the movie, I just felt confused. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I think everyone felt confused. But I don't know anything about dancing. I don't know anything about dancing. So, you know, it's I, I look at this type of dancing and I go, I don't know. Like it seems <laughs> like this sort of choreographed sort of, you know, because Prince's backup dancers and that do this sort of shit. Yeah. You know, like they, 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 and you just go, oh, yeah. Like, like, and there's a whole industry and it's a whole appreciation for it, but I, I just don't know what I'm looking at, you know. Mm. And um, so to see it in this context is, is really outrageous. Like, but you think of those tan movements that she does in front of her face, the little, <laughs> the zhuzh, zhuzh, yeah, tan yeah. thing. <laughs> Yeah. And she did those at the 20th um, anniversary screening. She did, yeah. <laughs> she was taking the piss. Can I say, um, <laughs> she looked really hot in yeah, that she anniversary did. thing. She looked better. Yeah. Like, She's I was aged super really well. Healthy. She looked really mm. healthy. And, um, yeah, she had like a, a, a natural body and stuff. And I was like, oh, wow. This is perfect. Mm. Milf, Milfertronic. <laughs> <laughs> well, just back on that, on that uh, really aggressive uh, sort of movements and reactions that she does. It's it is a very stage thing to do because when you're on stage, you've got to 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 project way into the audience, you know, to yeah. the back seat. So, and I remember seeing Tim Curry once talk about this about Rocky Horror Picture Show, like when because he'd been playing it on stage, and then when they made the film of it, like he was making all these movements way too big because that's what you do on the stage because it has to read yeah all the way at the back. Uh, but then the director said, no, listen, you know. We're going to be this close to you, you know, in in mm. because everyone's, you know, because we're filming it, you, everyone's going to see you this close. So, and that is the job a little bit of the director. And I guess I think it was I forget who directed that movie, Jim Sheridan or someone like that. And I, I feel like that is the job of the director. You you need to be there to guide the actors and to say and to let them because they don't know. You know, you you tell them in like some, unless they've been in sixty movies that you need to go. Okay, yeah, we are really close to you, or you need to remind them that show don't tell. You know, don't um. Don't don't just do something. Stand there. Like you need to you need to just give them all those cues all the time, unless you are going for something really heightened. Uh, and you know, Verhoeven says that that some of this was in, well, he's sort of alleging now that a lot of it was intentional. But yeah, well, bullshit. <laughs> I get the feeling that he wanted it to be serious. Yeah, I call total bullshit on that. <laughs> well, Ver- Verhoeven also says, um, and I, I have a quote here. Sorry, Esther House always says that he, he maintains that the humour was intentional. I've got a quote here. What Paul Verhoeven and I had in mind was something darkly funny. We went through the script line by line and we were really laughing at some of it. Uh, I defy people to tell me that a line like, how does it feel not to have anybody coming on you anymore, isn't meant to be funny. <laughs> After he touches her cheek lovingly. And then <laughs> delivers that line. I was flawed. <laughs> My draw dropped. Well, I think I've thought about this because I mean I could talk about this. I love these these. It's what I call an impossible object. You know, like an Escher painting. You can't. You just can't. Like a bit like Jade in a way. You can't quite fix it. Or you know, mm. and, and in your mind. And so, 
I love to try and fix these things. I, um, I wonder, I believe Esther House. I think, I think that the dialogue, um, there is definitely humour, intentional humour in the film. And Gina Gershon has been uh, lauded for sort of getting it in a way and, like, and, and meeting the, 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 the script's demands in that way. I think that you could fix it. You know, the difference is because Basic Instinct's got some outrageous lines in it, but the difference is it's a very cold and sterile movie. Um, in in the way it's been shot and everything, and and it doesn't have the you know the 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 paper mache volcano and all the color and lights and the and it doesn't have Vegas. It's a completely different milieu. Also, the and you know, I know I feel sorry for Elizabeth Berkeley because I think she's been maligned. However, she's not Sharon Stone. Let's no. be frank, she's not Sharon Stone. And you know, this film required a, a fucking Herculean performance mm. that she was not able to deliver. She would ne- She's a sitcom actor. You, you don't think if she had toned it down, it would have been... It would have been acceptable, but it wouldn't have been... It wouldn't, she, there are times when she... There's just, you know, this is big. Because I've seen her do normal. She's in Any Given Sunday, Oliver Stone film, as a, I think as a call girl. And she's, she's quite subdued in that. And... Um, so you see, you get a sense in that film of what she would have been like if she toned it down. And you go, oh, yeah, like, you know, she'd be acceptable. But she doesn't have, this is brutal, but she doesn't have that thing. Now, I've heard I heard this uh, from maybe Joe Esterhouse in one of the interviews. And this, I went, yes. He reckons that it would have been different um, with Madonna. And I okay. totally agree. I totally agree. They, they tried to get Madonna. Yeah, well, that she's a fucking great actress yeah and she's got that thing she's got that thing and she kind of did all this with erotica you know what i mean mm. like so she's up for it she's up for it now and maybe she shouldn't be but, <laughs> <laughs> that's not even but don't you think she did suit the naive uh fish out of water sort of thing you pollyanna. know with the, with the, yeah the pollyanna the, the, the going to the versace store and you know getting the name wrong calling it versace all yeah, that sort absolutely. Of shit, you know? But what does mm. that matter if you you don't suit the the back end of the story, like like, or you don't like? I, that's that's all I'm. I, I feel like, you know, I, that's why this is this is so complex, you know, because I think that she's yeah she's gotten too much heat, but she deserves a little bit of it. A lot. Same with Kyle McLaughlin. like he somehow has avoided a lot of heat. Like he's the one who said, like, oh, it was a terrible movie. And, like, you know, I sat through it and it was terrible. I'm like, come on, Kyle. Did you go to the dailies, mate? You, your staff was not good. <laughs> you know, like you were, you were camping it up. You had no excuse. You know mm. what I mean? She's 22. Well, he, he, he came out of it pretty unscathed, didn't he? He did. He did. A few people did. You know, I would say, you know, random people like Robert Darby came uh, unscathed and, yeah, Kyle McLaughlin definitely. Um, but if, if you bit part people, but yeah, Ber- uh, Berkeley was just like destroyed, and it is sad. You just go, oh man, that's that's brutal. Like you know, watch the doco, and you do you feel a bit of a bit of something for her there. The pylon was terrible. Yeah, she lost her agent as soon as the movie came out, and and the reviews came out, and she could not get another one. Oh wow! And you got to thank God that the internet wasn't so big then. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> Well, maybe it would have become a cult classic quicker. I don't know. You don't have to be to work three hours. What are you going to do, watch TV and eat chips? Yeah. Where are the chips? Mm-hmm. You ate them, didn't you? Mm-mm. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. 
It now does exist. There is a unique genre in its own right, I think. And and there's Showgirls, there's a movie called Valley of the Dolls, which I haven't seen, and another one called Mummy Dearest, which I have seen. Amazing. Um, mm. they're, they're all films where female characters kind of climb their way to the top, and they're both camp, and I think they both suffer from failed seriousness. So they, they, they try to be serious, but they don't they don't uh they don't uh, succeed in doing that and i think yeah i think this this film is like anti-realist it's like hyper stylized and yeah it has become a a genre in its own right i think well i got big words i i think i love this movie like <laughs> well, all, we know all bike does so i'm glad that you, you admitted it astro i think i love this movie like I, and for so many reasons like cuz i was there when it was a new release Obviously, I didn't see the movies too young, but um, uh, as soon as it came to video, I just watched it a bunch of times. So you know, and it was, you know, it was, that was a good experience. But uh, I've seen it a lot of years, and now I think it's really special. Now, I, I, I this is, um, you know, I think, I, I think I heard Kanye say something about like people were tearing into some rapper who'd come up with a song, one of these songs, Soldier Boy, or one of these things, and he was like. He's like this song does everything a rap song should do. He's like, you know, it's it's got a great hook. It can it, it created a dance. It's created new language. It's like done everything. Like, and I think I feel the same way about Showgirls. Like, it's kind of done everything a movie should do. You know, like I and you need to look at the claims. Like, um, the claim that it's a failure. You say, yeah, okay, with some with with reviewers in um the nineties, sure. But it's got an audience uh, who fucking love the film. You could say, "Oh, it's it's uh, it was a failure," and you say, "Well, not really. It 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 it, it was made for forty to forty five million. Yeah, sure. It it underperformed at the box of thirty seven million, um, but it went on to gross a hundred million on home video and rentals. Uh, and and as of two twenty fourteen, the film is still one of MGM's highest selling movies. Wow, it's in the top twenty all time bestsellers. What? Yeah. So the claim that it's it's financially uh, unsuccessful is bunk, bunk, totally bunk. So forget it. So what are that we talking about? That blows my mind. People love this movie. Okay, it's done everything a movie should do. Like it's it's I I watched it and I, it was it was hilarious. Um, it was outrageous. It was offensive. It was yeah a little <laughs> bit sexy, <laughs> but like anti erotic as well. It mm. was. It's bizarre. It's it fucking is bizarre. bizarre. <laughs> like it's bizarre. Yeah. The tone changes are bizarre. Yeah. And mm. um. And then ultimately, uh, it manages with with all audacity to 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 be frank with you, get get you emotionally if you if you will let it. It got me like, a, like at the very. There's something between her and Crystal that is nice. But there were a couple. There was a couple of tiny moments where I was like, "Well, I actually felt something." I was, yeah, and I was in it. Yeah. You know what I mean? At the very end, like you know, and um, so I feel like uh, people need to maybe just have a have a rethink. You know, so I don't know. Like I, 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 I just had a spe- I had a great time, and I, I just thought it was um, it was it was delicious. <laughs> <laughs> Ultimately, I think this movie is about values. It's about moral values and spiritual choices as a young 19-year-old woman makes them. Um, It's about innocence and corruption. 
It's about the choice not to be corrupted. This is a role that does not come around that often, even for, let's say, established film actresses. You know, they always complain that there aren't enough strong women in, in films. And this so happens to be a woman so filled with passion, so filled with strength and power and sexuality and all these wonderful things that I wanted to explore on film. People are much more inclined to think that it is bad to portray sex, that there is, um, that it's nearly criminal to portray sex. And of course, I think that's wrong, you know. I think sexuality is part of our life and we should not be afraid of it. In, in Hollywood, you know, Verhoeven was understood by the critics as a satirist, but only as long as like the subject was violence, you know, like Robocop's mm. about, you know, uh, police overreach and police violence and stuff like that. And, and, and critics sort of got that, but as soon as he goes uh, full into, into territory of like erotic sex and sex industry and making links between Hollywood and commerce and, and sex, commerce and sex and exploitation and you know and the fact that really there's not not much difference between the girls dancing uh, at the Stardust and the girls dancing at the Cheetah Club, you know, and for that matter, the girls that dance for uh, bloody what's his what's his face J is James, yeah, the dance for his <laughs> fucking choreography <laughs> shows, you know. I mean, he gets up on his high horse, you know because he's the highbrow form of dance. But then when you see his fucking show, it's like it's not that much different from anything, any of the other dancing we see in this in this mm. movie, you know. Well, Verhoeven's um, European. So mm. we've talked about this. There's a, there is a distinctly, he, has, a distinct, he, he is, uh, has said plainly what you can't say in Hollywood. And he's like, you know, I don't understand why sex is criminal in Hollywood, you know, and I don't understand why nudity and sex are. And any representation of it that, that even approaches frankness or even hyper hyper real or whatever, it doesn't matter how you approach it, it's it's criminal. And we this is true. You know this is true. And he's talked about uh, in one of the recent uh, interviews, they were talking about the showgirls, and he was uh, alleged, he was saying that he feels that the movies now are all PG. They want to get m more people in. So you've completely eradicated r-rated and definitely nc-17 which is what this film was but r-rated you get rid of that uh by getting rid of all the sex and that's why john wick look at john Wick. i've talked about john wick every fucking week i talk about this movie because john wick has is completely sexless you know all these disney movies are completely sexless you want to know what disney's doing so so i'm not like obviously i'm going to defend showgirls for various reasons but if you want to look at what disney's doing go to disney plus and watch splash and you will see the moment where daryl hannah runs into the ocean you will see them you can see this internet they've cg'd her hair down to cover her butt crap no they have i'm fucking serious okay this is what they do. Oh. Disney, look at those 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 uh, Star Wars sequels. Well, thankfully, some of you people haven't seen them, but uh, they are completely, totally sexless. They are they they like that. Disney thinks that romance, like swashbuckling romance and sex, or you know, two humans like kissing or or like hinting, even in kids' movies, hinting at the adult world, like, you know, like, like in the princess bride, is this kissing stuff? Like, like all that stuff that, that we just take for granted. Disney thinks that is disgusting. They think it's fucking disgusting. And that is anti-human and it's so creepy. strange. Yeah. <laughs> it's very strange. Well, I've mentioned this on our Friday show that I, I took my son to see a recent Disney movie called Raya and the Last Dragon. And 
there were virtually no male characters in it. It's all female characters. So you couldn't have any sort of, you, you know, uh, prince, princess sort of uh, romance or or um, tension or back and forth or anything like you get a hint of in, in other kids' Disney movies. You know, you get a hint of the adult world, as you say. And this didn't have any of that. And I'm shocked to hear about Splash. Mm, well, it's real, man. That's what's going on out there. So Verhoeven's right. And, and you know, and, and look, you know, I'll, I'll wrap up this part of it by just saying, like, get your ideas about it. Like, I don't pine for the past. I, I'm a big believer in the now and the future. Like, you know, because you don't want to be one of these fucking people just sitting around, like, talking about back to the future all the time. You know? <laughs> like, fuck, just get on with it, all right? <laughs> but at the same time, is it is it just me or is this era, like, stri- that we're living in now so strikingly different to, like, I feel like in the past, you know, was the well actually people would say that the that the seven the seventies was really different to the sixties or whatever. But I feel like the difference between now and the nineties is is really marked because of the internet and social media. Like, mm. you know, nineteen ninety five, which I remember well, seems like it ha- it was uh, such a it was a mysterious time or the last of the mysterious times because you know, and this film's come from that. You know, mm. purpose built for those times. There was this obsession with, there was mainstream media only. Those mainstream media sources. There was an obsession with the effect of the media on, on this one-way relationship between the media, like Natural Born Killers and Scream and story of the girls who went, like you know, some girl went and killed someone. She watched Scream, killed someone. Now she's trapped in the movie, whatever. Like th- there was this whole thing about mass media and its relationship to people. And then there was like this obsession with sexual transgression, like basic instinct, disclosure, like, you know, all how sex was bad and whatever. There was AIDS. I think there's a line in this about everyone's got AIDS and shit. So it's like, you know, all these examinations of sex and gender. So I, I don't know, but, but also cinema was audacious, you know. It was a competition back then of who could make the most daring film, uh, who could make the most daring successful film. Do you know what I mean? Like uh, who can now it's who can do the best Marvel extended universe crossover? <laughs> <laughs> because we know we're going to get make money from it. Who can tell the wokest teen show, you Jesus know, Christ. stories on Netflix. So <laughs> and now, so I don't know, like, I just feel like when I, when I watch this movie, I see it as really special and I, and I'm late to the party. Cause you know, who was there on the fucking ground floor, Quentin Tarantino. Yes. I've got a quote. Yeah, give me the quote. So Tarantino stated that he enjoyed Showgirls, referring to it in 1996 as the only other time in the last 20 years that a major studio made a full-on, gigantic, big-budget exploitation movie, comparing it to Mandingo. Yeah, well, I I applaud, like, I know what he's getting at here. Like, you need the, the conspiracy against... Uh, daring and audacious things ideas non-conservative creative ideas is real and so when you see a movie that is fantastic and 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 it shouldn't have been made a bit like you know if in a different way blade runner 2049 i watched that and i was like oh my god this is a real movie how did they how were they allowed to make this movie and and you know it'll never happen again you know it's like a once only deal because once they 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 get wind that they've been duped they shut it down the Joker, what like they made the Joker, and although it was ripping off a bunch of other good movies from the seventies, still it was it was a great movie, subversive and good. It will never happen again. The second one, they'll do it. It'll be terrible. It'll be like yeah, it'll just be like Slimer driving the bus in Ghostbusters too. 
know, he's one of the Ghostbusters now. Like, like it'll be fucking ridiculous. So, so you need to appreciate as Tarantino has at the time. He's like, oh my god, I can't believe. Um, that that this movie got made because it's a it's an exploitation movie. It's so big and expensive, and it's <laughs> everything about it is is beyond the pale. If you enjoy what we do here on the New Flesh podcast, there are a number of ways you can contribute to the success of the show. Consider supporting us financially by becoming a Patreon member and donating monthly or yearly. Alternatively, you can donate money through the Buy Me a Coffee platform. If you're strapped for cash at this point in time, there are a number of other ways to support the new flesh. You can give us a rating or review through Apple Podcasts. These help others to find our show and help spread the word. Or you can tell your friends about us. Don't underestimate the power of a podcast recommendation. And now, back to the show. Let's talk. Let's let's get a little bit more focused here. I want to talk about mirrors. Mm. So there are lots of mirrors in this movie, and and John, maybe you can uh, talk about you know maybe the references there that I'm not aware of. But um, yeah, there's so many mirrors in this movie, and because uh, the characters in this in this film, you know, their appearance really matters. You know, and they're all the narcissism is is huge. You know. Uh, but also, I guess it's making a commentary that's, you know, holding up a mirror to society, blah, blah, blah. But um, there's just amazing shots, like when she goes to get that Versace dress and obviously the mirrors in the in the dressing room. But there seem to be mirrors in, every, in the strip club as well. But there seems to be mirrors like in every second fucking scene, you know. Mm. Mm. Well, it's dazzling. It's dazzling for the eye. Uh, it works thematically. Yeah, absolutely. That that I really got the sense of vanity this time. I was mm. like, oh, wow, it is it is a, a place that is obsessed with aesthetics and 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 how you look all the time, you know. So, yeah. but also like like the cheetah and the stardust, they're like mirror images of each other. Then you get the opening scene and the end scene. They're mirrors of each other. I love the opening scene and the ending scene. I think for Hovens, like he, he's put. A lot of effort into the structuring devices in the film, you know. Absolutely. Well, you can't make the claim that that uh, it's junk. It doesn't work. Doesn't hold up. Like you can't. You can say tonally he blew it, which is, you know what? Like that is very easy to do for a lot of reasons. You don't know what you've got. This is an alchemical process. But you. you so I understand tonally, and that that's instructions to actors. That's casting and instructions to actors, and and a couple of other things. Okay. Tonally, you can blow it. Uh, but everything else can be perfectly, and that's always when these movies stick out. When everything else is like it looks great, it sounds great, the locations are great, and then these performances are just totally bizarre. <laughs> and that, that's that's what we've kind of got here, you know, a grab bag of really strange performances, and particularly headed up by uh, a Berkeley's one. But you can't make the claim that that it doesn't uh, that 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 the filmmaking is is not good and that then that because Verhoeven's I've got a book on Verhoeven and and this all of the shots in, in this movie just basic instinct include all the sex scenes everything uh storyboarded down right. to the, there was they didn't just let he didn't just let it play like you know what I mean like these these are all heavily storyboarded mm. well you see that in the documentary you see these hand-drawn pencil drawn uh shots even of the strip teasers and stuff like that you know i love the way he draws uh, like women in his storyboards as well it's, it's great like, <laughs> like just so much detail on the butt and the boobs and stuff and, <laughs> you know like yeah, well he so loves good. it he he admits that he just loves it 
He does love it. And <laughs> I think maybe because he's a bit Euro. Well, actually, yeah. he's an old guy, so he, he's gotten away with it in different times. He's, he's Dutch like too. And, you know, have you ever been to Amsterdam? Mm. Never. It's another, it's another world. <laughs> that, that, so presumably the, 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 the Dutch have a different relationship with sex. Well, they're just more, they're just more uh, relaxed about it, I guess. You know, I mean, they famously have the red light district where, where, uh, where the hookers are just in these glass boxes, and you just walk around and you pick the one you want. You know. Yes. Very good. We could have brought anyone into this show: Latoya, Suzanne, you name it. We wanted Crystal. Crystal Connors defines what Las Vegas is all about. She's dazzling, she's exciting, and she's very, very sexy. How does it feel to be back in what Vegas? What about Broadway? Miss Connors, how did you feel about the show tonight? I think it's the best show I've ever been in. I only hope I can do it justice. You did, my dear, and you will. We're very thrilled to have you here with us. And I am thrilled to be Ms. here. Miss Connors, how old are you? You too now. Well, so... AJ, that d- brings me on to uh, our segment, as we like to do. Uh, oh, God. Keep, keeper or creeper? <laughs> this week's so, pretty easy. <laughs> no, well, you, come on. Don't, look, you know, don't, uh, you know, d- commit too early because I've got some good, got some okay. good candidates for you. Okay. So uh, it goes maybe three, I think, that it could be appropriate. So we've got Robert Darby as Al Torres. Now, he's salt of the earth. You know, he's a bit of a straight shooter. He's sort of a business owner of uh, the cheater. Um, you know, he's, uh, when I say he's a straight shooter, he'll let you know. Like, you know, he says to one of the chicks, he says, they want class, dum-dum. They don't want to fuck a penny. They want to fuck a Heather or a Tiffany or a Hope. <laughs> so he doesn't play games, you know. But, you know, he says you have to blow him to keep your job, but I don't know. So that, that could be a joke, but it, it might not be. So... Keeper or creeper? Um, I just thought of Goonies. Creeper. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> creeper. I love that none of that was enough to call him a creeper. It was just he was a creeper in, in Goonies as well. Yeah, as well. <laughs> a bad well have guy. you seen License to Kill? He's in that Bond film too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. He's terrifying in that movie. Anyway, next up, Glenn Plummer as James Smith. So he's a bouncer, a bellhop. Yeah, and an independent artist, so he gets around. Um, not a career-focused individual, but he is creative. Uh, he's got integrity. He says he says to Naomi at one point, "I saw you. Everybody got AIDS and shit. Uh, what is it you think you do? You fuck them without fucking them. That's what you do. Well, it ain't right. You got too much talent for it to be right, bitch. I'm telling you the truth." So <laughs> that's what he says. Right. Um, but he moves on quick, so you've got to be fast. Okay, keeper or creeper? I was really upset with him. He disappointed me. He got right. me in the feels. I was sad that he was such a jerk. He might be a keeper. Well, <laughs> I wouldn't say he's a keeper. <laughs> he did say we could put a towel down so he could fuck her in a period. <laughs> Gentlemen. A gentleman. A gentleman Absolute yeah. gentleman. Well, he does marry he does marry the women he impregnates. So. Well, there you go. That's he's he's a man. So kind of on the fence. <laughs> okay. Well maybe we'll put him on the um on the maybe pile. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, we have the real prize here. This is Kyle McLaughlin as Zach Carey, the entertainment director at the Stardust Hotel. Again, you know, uh 
successful man, snappy dresser, stylish haircut, um, which he does. You know, what do you think of a man with a big fringe? <laughs> he rocks it. He does. <laughs> that was a very nineties thing. Mm. He enjoys champagne and um, frolicking in his lavish pool. Um, neon, <laughs> neon palm trees included. So, uh, keeper or creeper? Free drugs. Mm. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> drugs. That's true. And he does buns as well. Like you see his buns when he's walking. That's true. Rock hard buns. Mm. Creeper. Creeper. <laughs> okay, well, that's, that's keeper or creeper. Unfortunately, there were no takers this week, although James did come close to being a keeper. Unfortunately, as with Flashdance, I think these are all creepers. Yeah. <laughs> can we can we talk about doggy chow? Yes. <laughs> I love doggy chow. This is a famous scene where Crystal takes Nomi out for lunch at some lavish place, and they just have the most bizarre conversation with each other about a few things, but about eating dog food. How. Nomi doesn't know what to order. She's looking at the menu and she's just like, I don't know what this is. You know, she's like, I'll order for you. And she's like, what, you don't even want brown brown rice and vegetables, which is what uh, what the choreographer suggests all the dancers eat to keep their weight down. And, um, yeah, so she asks if she likes brown rice and vegetables and then Nomi says, I think it tastes like dog food. And then uh, Crystal says, I've eaten dog food. I used to love doggy chow, blah, blah, blah. So they're talking about eating dog food. A biscuit? Or a wet food. I, I think it's, it's a, a biscuit. Food. No, oh. I think it's a wet. I think it's a biscuit. Okay. Yeah. Jesus Christ! That's like disgusting. like a like a kibble, you know. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Why is kibble such a great word? <laughs> kibble. kibble. <laughs> it is good. <laughs> and then uh, and then yeah, Crystal says you know basically says you're a whore. You know, different from me. We're all whores. We're selling it. Blah blah blah. And then at the end, they cheers their chips together. And for some reason, chips plays a big part. It, well, in this film, it's mentioned all the time when Naomi is is hanging out at home uh, with Molly. They're, they're always talking about chips for some bizarre reason. Um, mm. So they, they cheers their chips at the end. Um, That's just bad writing. <laughs> you think so? No, I, no, and Kay could back this up because food is one of the big crimes of bad writing like for some reason like food food talk mm. is something you generally ban like as an editor you go okay we're banning all food talk so in inexperienced in writers not that Joe sounds really inexperienced but we all uh you know sort of go back to old settings so when you're when you're moving quickly or not thinking about it your first uh, draft of things you'll always do yeah food talk and but but it's intentional though because he they mentioned the brown rice and vegetables a bunch of times. They mentioned the chips a bunch so of times. many. And they mentioned the fingernails as well mm. a bunch of times. So the nails I can sort of buy. I can't buy the food. I just can't. Like, like, because the chips, it's ridiculous. Like, she's, <laughs> why is Nomi so excited? She's like, did you eat the chips? You did. <laughs> you did. And I'm like, he's manic and crazy about yeah. these chips but she's kind of like that about everything though yeah she is it's it's her, it's her enthusiasm for everything that that she's is, kind of is bipolar well that's yes. the other thing like you could read it as that she she is just fucking crazy like she she has some a chemical imbalance you know 
I don't know what all this stuff is. I'll order for you. Don't they have brown rice and vegetables? Do you like brown rice and vegetables? Yeah. You do? Sort of. Really? It's worse than dog food. <laughs> it is. I've had dog food. You have? Mm-hmm. Long time ago. Doggy chow. I used to love doggy chow. <laughs> I used to love doggy chow too. It does seem like a documentary about a crazy chick. <laughs> like the way she eats, the way she fucks is terrifying. <laughs> like, it's just extreme. Everything's it's just, so extreme. It's not yeah. just over the top. It's past the stratosphere. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. you know, it's just like that cute meet with her friend at the beginning is Crazy. incredible. Incredible. <laughs> she runs out beating up a car that she just doesn't, it's not hers. And then Molly runs up and says, hey, what are you doing? And then she said, get the fuck off me. And then like, she immediately turns around and goes, what? And just like throws up. <laughs> and then she goes, what? And then uh, then then she tries to, cons- Molly tries to console her again. And she goes, get away from me and runs into the road. And then she pulls her back from getting hit by a car. And then they have their their little loving moment. I'm like, this is woman is crazy. This woman's crazy. Or throwing the chips, throwing the chips. Different places. <laughs> <laughs> you know like why <laughs> are you okay are you okay <laughs> well, you know you just you can't look away from this movie or else you're going to miss something huge definitely because everything yeah. is huge all the time yes well even the bit parts are diabolical so um like the hustler at the start the guy in the car he's ridiculous like, why is, what's wrong with his face? Like, is he wearing lipstick? <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Is he an Elvis impersonator? <laughs> Fucking rockabilly <laughs> bullshit. What is that? Um, the sleaze bag in the casino, um, he's ridiculous. Straight away, one of the first things that happens, he goes, he comes up to, uh, to Nomi, she's a slot machine, and he goes, you lose all your money, honey? <laughs> you want to make some more? We'll take any more than 15 minutes. And sooner or later, you're going to have to sell it. <laughs> and true, he was though. Ridiculous. That's what happens, though, right? That's what happens, though, is your answer. (laughs) Anyway. He he predicted the whole movie. (laughs) He did. He did. But it's like it's just every – there are no small parts in this. Everyone is is bonkers. Like everyone is fucking bonkers. You know, like even every – the the entertainment guy, uh, Tony Moss or whatever, you know, uh, what classes have you done? And she reels off all the classy classes, and he goes, "The show's called Goddess. It ain't called classes." <laughs> 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 but then, but <laughs> so this is when he's got the girls lined up, and he's going to cut yes. them right, or or yes. let them continue in the audition. And he says to one of the chicks, he says, "Come back when you fuck some of that baby fat off." <laughs> <laughs> That is the most Joe's extreme house. thing. <laughs> that 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 that's Tony C from Flashdance. That that is totally yeah. all of his lines. <laughs> the fucking that cook, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh. Hey, hey, 
you to meet Hope. Hi, hi. Okay, cut it out. Hi. Hope, this is uh, Tiffany, Farah, Heather, and Rietta. My name isn't Hope. My name's Penny. <laughs> they want class, dum-dum. They don't want to fuck a Penny. They want to fuck a, a Heather or a, or a Tiffany or a Hope. <laughs> Speaking of over the top, um, now, AJ, you, you messaged us about this today. You were like, what the fuck is up with that rape scene? Jesus Christ. <laughs> you get it's probably one of the most brutal rapes. Like, I haven't seen many films that have rape scenes or not, not ones that you see explicitly. The worst one but- is Irreversible. That's the worst one. Well, I haven't seen that, but but this one, uh, you know, it's not long, bad. but it's it's uh, it's fucking full on, and and it's, it goes to eleven straight yeah. away. <laughs> yeah, no, it does. See, he it, punches it, her straight away, just like bang, and you go, "What the hell?" Yeah. So he brings his buddies in for a bit of a fuck sesh, and then she turns around and goes, "What's happening?" And then bang, just gets punched in the face, yeah. and the rape is on, and. I think the biggest the biggest problem the is, is on. <laughs> the rape is on is on. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> hey, I'm not endorsing rape at no, all. Okay? Didn't say that. <laughs> all right. okay, but don't get don't get hot about it. <laughs> the, the, the film doesn't set you up for any of this. You no. know, I feel like a scene like that needs about 40 minutes of setup before they hit you with it, you know. I don't think the beat is wrong either. I think that um, Molly does need to, that kind of thing does need to happen to Molly. It's the <laughs> severity. It's the, No, it's the severity and the intensity that's the problem. Poor Molly was the only good character in the whole <laughs> fucking no, no, movie. No, 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 but, but in terms of the story, what needs to happen in the story, like, like I feel like... Um, that's but that's brilliant though. She was the only good person, mm. and that's yeah. that's what this place, you know, this center of commerce and sex, and you know, sell, sell, sell is going to do to yeah, nice people. Definitely. So it just needed to be more like mm, there's a similar scene in Straw Dogs uh, from the seventies, one of the more famous. Again, they're all controversial, all these right things. But uh, a guy, uh, yeah, um, has sex with a chick, and then like you know, whole, uh, his his mates come in, and it's it's uh, you know, dare I say, it was shocking at the time, uh, and you know, uh, threatened with cuts and everything like that. Same sort of deal, but it's certainly dare I say more artful than this scene, which is just like. Yeah, it's too hard, too much. You don't need, you barely, I wouldn't even thought, you You just don't need the punches. Like, no. <laughs> it also means he's fucking stupid as well. Like, he's just, he's just like, like tapped. And I think that ruins it. It's, it's got to be, he's got to be like what we know about some of these Hollywood guys. Like, that they, they, I don't know, like they push the envelope. But if they're coming out, like, Patrick Bateman straight away. Like Seriously, yeah. Like you'd be, they, they're smarter than that, unfortunately, mm. in, in, in that they are more Machiavellian. He just needed to push it a little bit further. He, he, like he, he didn't need to beat hell over and hold it down and like do all this stuff and say all the mad shit he said. It just needed to be like, I don't know, just less. And yeah, then, yeah. and her stumbling out. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I know what he's done there. Like, that's Passion of the Christ stuff. Mm. And, and that's, and I, and, you know, on one level, it's too much. On another level, 
I, I know what Verhoeven's going for there. He would, he's, he's very, well, he was going to be a very religious guy and he's got a, a huge a theologian. He's got a lot of interest in uh, religious imagery and whatever. So he would have seen her coming out with all that blood and everything as religious imagery, he mm. would have said. And so I get that, like, you know, and that's why we get, you know, that's, you brought this up at the beginning, uh, Ricky, you said that, you know, we like it when he does it in violence and sci-fi. We don't like it here. And he's a perfect uh analogy so well rather reference so yeah um verhoven's uh theologian or uh, uh, sort of background gives us robocop uh at the end walking across water to to uh you know to to the climax and he wanted that to be he saw robocop as being jesus you know someone who who sacrificed and comes back and and you know we get that wonderful image of him walking across water and that we love we love it there we think we go yes that's okay good good man good artist good 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 and then he does it here and we go too much awful you're terrible you're the worst for human being ever and you go well you liked it before do, do you think it do you think it could have worked though if if we didn't see the rape like yes. we we just saw, him we, we saw the, conc- <laughs> the conclusion he says the probing tongue absolutely you don't you don't need to see it you don't need no. to we 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 get it like um, <laughs> but he would argue you know that this is maybe he would have argued that this is important you know why should I why should I shield you from this horror of this? Yeah. You know? In in a way, it's a little bit similar to the S and M rape dance number that happens in the Stardust Hotel. There's that right. that everyone's in the leather, the leather chaps, and all that sort of stuff, and they basically isn't it Crystal Connors that gets gets kind of raped in that raping oh, in inverted commas yes. in that in that dance scene. Mm. Yes. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if that's intentional, trying to sort of link those worlds or. Anyway, it derails the movie, and it does. like, and her revenge is bizarre as well. Like, you know, again, she pulls out that fucking switchblade. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like, even in this '90s, switchblades weren't a thing. No, like, you know, <laughs> they were. It's the '50s. <laughs> <laughs> or something like you know what it makes you think knives. of that was the 90s yeah they're butterfly knives it makes me think of that scene in crocodile dundee you know that's not a knife <laughs> this is a knife you know yeah but she's got an old-fashioned greaser one you yeah, know the little, with the with the curled you know uh, hilt yeah, uh, yeah so it's ridiculous but i know exactly what you mean that it did have to be molly we wouldn't have cared as much it was a gut punch well i think that's also that's also the catalyst for nomi to to leave Vegas too, yeah. like she kicks that dude's ass, and then you know, bail. She, she kind of moves on. Um, yes, but about you know, if they could have got it right, we would have, uh, we would have really cared. And and her, they, you know, because her thread with Molly, if I put it on the wall, all the cards on the wall, if I said, okay, they meet here, you know, um, Molly introduces her to Crystal and Goddess, and then like if you track the whole thread, it needs some work. You know what I mean? Like just a few nips and tucks to really get us. Because actually, you're meant to really feel that 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 betrayal when she says when she because she sees her push push um crystal. Yeah. You know, you meant to you meant to really feel something, but something's not quite there. I think, but also because they didn't work hard at the beginning. That's the problem. Is that you know their cute mate. They they met in two seconds and then then it says six weeks later or whatever and then they're living together. That's unacceptable. That's unacceptable. <laughs> Their friendship is <laughs> yeah. so weird. It is weird. Like, it's very needed, strangely written. They could have they could have been working together. They needed to. They're they're running needed to be 
I don't know more. But then again, I know what they would say that because the the Joe and and Verhoeven have both said that they did a, unlike some of their other movies, they did a huge amount of of face to face research, mm. not just going to titty bars, but um they <laughs> interviewed sex workers and strippers and call girls and show girls, and they did huge amounts of research. Yeah. So I I reckon that a lot of this stuff, and this is why. You know, you got to be careful with with real life, is because you know maybe that was a story that what that they heard, like that. Oh yeah, this chick came in town and immediately got into a fight, and then she threw up, and then she almost got by a car, and you just go, yeah, dude, it's not, it's let's not do that. Mm. <laughs> it's just too, it's too unbelievable. Mm. Well, and yeah, it's it's it is. That's the thing. Mm. We I always say that when something happens in real life, you go, oh man, if this if I put this in a script. It wouldn't. It wouldn't go because it's just not. It's not gonna. It's not feasible. Mm. It's not, not, not gonna work. And you couldn't tell if they were lovers or friends. And yeah, like their relationship was strange. Okay, ladies. I'm Tony Moss. I produce this show. Some of you probably heard that I'm a prick. I am a prick. I got one interest here, and that's the show. I don't care whether you live or die. I want to see you dance, and I want to see you smile. I can't use you if you can't smile. I can't use you if you can't show. I can't use you if you can't sell. Let me take a look at you. Spread out. Spread out. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Marty! Take a look at these tits. What are these? Watermelons? This is a stage, babe. It's not a patch. See ya. I've seen you before. Yes, Mr. Moss, I auditioned for you in January. You told me to get my nose fixed. Nose looks good. Thank you, Mr. Moss. Nice smile, too. Thank you, Mr. Moss. You know what, though? Your ears are sticking out. They are. Come back and see me when you get them fixed. See ya. Can you spell MGM backwards? I bet you can't. MGM. I'm impressed. Come back when you fuck some of this baby fat off. See ya. I hope you got some nice wigs, tennis ball. I do. What kind of classes have you had? Ice skating classes, Mr. Moss. Ballet classes, technique classes, stretch classes, jazz classes, jazz technique classes. This show is called Goddess. It ain't called classes. See ya. What kind of classes have you had? I haven't had classes. Then what are you doing here? I'm watching you be a prick. <sighs> we ain't seen nothing yet. People seem to like the LGBT aspect of this movie. Mm. You know, it does yeah. have a celebrated. Uh, sort of, there's a lot of people who really enjoy, like her and Crystal, for instance, and mm. you know, probably see Nomi as, you know, there are a range of characters. There's, there's other girls at the at the at the, is it the cheetah who they're cheetah, also yeah. um, lesbian friends. Mm. Yeah. Well, it's it it has been said that Nomi's sort of experience of being of 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 uh, not having any family or or being ostracized and, and having to find your own family and, and move somewhere and reinvent yourself is very much akin to the gay experience uh, where, especially in previous generations, where if, if you're gay in a small town, that would, that wouldn't work for you. You know, like you, you'd, you'd be ostracized. You'd have to move away, reinvent yourself and find your own friends who become your family. So mm. um, I can see why uh, sort of gay people uh, see her, story and and her journey as well it's certainly an antiquated view now because that you know that view of of uh, the gay experience is now been totally deep sixed by by everything stonewall's doing you know mm. 
yeah. which is a completely different thing. You know, yeah, yeah. Entirely. Also, she's not, and this will be controversial, like she's not afraid to use her sexuality as a tool, as like mm. a means to an end. Um, and I know, you know, it's not, not popular to talk about women's sexual power uh, these days, but. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> but you can see that's kind of when she gets to Vegas, that's really all she has as a tool, you know. Um, she doesn't have much of a backstory, but you can tell that she probably doesn't have much higher education under her belt, you know. Um, she can't pronounce Versace. <laughs> she can't, no. I don't know. There are some dumb people out there that probably can't, have no idea what Versace is and would pronounce it as Versace. Mm. And something else. Wasn't there another word that she mispronounced? Well, she eats like a dummy. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like the food is what ridiculous. Do you mean? Sucking on a ring pop. <laughs> oh, yeah. That, I love the ring pop. I love the ring pop. That's one of my favorite bits. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> I watch that and I just, I just go, uh-huh. that's perfect. That's real. (laughs) That's probably hers. So she brought that that day, you know? (laughs) You know, I won one of those in grade three for a colouring in competition. Hey, look at you go. Yeah, look at me go. Look at me now. (laughs) But the way she eats the burger in the car that's racing down the alleyway, she's not wearing a fucking seatbelt, you know. They're both not looking at the road. Yeah. She's just manic. She's just a manic <laughs> lunatic. Crazy. Again, again, she's, she is the same, a little bit like uh, Jennifer Beals. You know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, just sort of a bit um, loose. And again, mm. probably yeah. one of the most attractive type of women to men and the most poisonous. Yeah, you know? yeah, for sure. Did you notice that it wasn't enough just to be naked in this film? The characters had to talk about being naked all the time whilst being naked. Yes, they did. Also, a lot of Bush as well. Yes. Like, or, or I was going to mention the George Bush. Yeah, well, there's a lot of Bush. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that's that's quite extraordinary because I, I feel like, you know, even though pornography is quite uh, ever-present now, still, you know, mainstream films and even TV shows, seeing just some, a chick walking toward, you know, with, with Bush out, like mm. ScarJo in um, Under the Skin, yeah. Is a shock. Like it, it takes under the skin. It takes a an art film to yeah. do it. Whereas this is this is a mainstream, you know, exploitation film where she, where she's just rocking the, you know, like walking stri- striding with it out, mm. you know, all yeah. that out. Like that's uh that's not done. People lose their minds. People just go, oh my god, that is yeah again disgusting. They're like that's <laughs> disgusting. And you go. Wait, John Wick just killed 300 guys. I know that's fucking beautiful. I know, I know but look, the bush is out. Disgusting. Disgusting. I told you about the um, David Tennant in um, that serial killer oh, show. Yes. And the BBC got more calls about him smoking than him killing, being a serial yeah. killer. Yeah. <laughs> that's fucking crazy. Right? Yeah, it's weird. There's everything. It? You know, like people are so selective with their their moral opprobrium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that blows my mind. Yeah, well, it's yeah, it's uh, but that but the as we know with the we talked about this again and again in in American cinema, the rules are you know you can hit someone with a chair, you just can't fuck them on it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. That's that's the thing because it's like and and sex is yeah criminalized. It's yeah. just completely beyond the pale. 
and um you know i don't i don't know i think it's again it's creepy it's creepy mm. like like you know you don't need to be your like full euro and just be like you know i don't know walk around the house naked and stuff and whatever like you know, and like but, but that's real life it is real life at the same but, time no it is it is but um you don't need to be full euro <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to go full Euro, but it is real life. And uh, whereas this, some of these American films, it's it, it's creepy when you've got a when you behave like Carrie's mom, like where you are repressed and you you're obsessed with sex and everything, but but you you just pretend like you, you that you hate it and everything. That's creepy, mm. you know. Oh, your dirty pillows. So you know, like. <laughs> It's the worst. Like, and that's, that's, she's, the, the, I think, the, probably one of the, the best characters in cinema. And I just always think of her just saying, because Carrie's mom's saying, you know, oh, she, the truth comes out. Your father, he came home. What is it? Like, you know, so I could smell the whiskey on his yeah. breath. And I liked it. I liked it. You got more natural talent when you dance than anybody I've ever seen. Look, I've seen a lot of dancers. I studied in New York, Alvin Ailey. You burn when you dance. Yeah, you said I couldn't. Oh, you gotta hold some of it in. And you got some shit to learn, dancing ain't fucking. What's that, more wisdom? I know that. No, you don't. You dance like when you fucked that guy last night. What guy? That guy with the chick. You took him in the back. I didn't fuck him. Yeah, you did. You fucked him and her. Are you following me around? I didn't fuck anybody. I, was I saw you. Man, everybody got AIDS and shit. You know, what is it that you think you do? You fuck them without fucking them. That's what you do. Well, it ain't right. You got too much talent for it to be right. Get out of here. Uh, well, Verhoeven's being criticised uh, for, for his treatment of actresses and also, you know, being... Uh, this film is seen as ultra misogynistic, but you, you you can notice that the majority of his female characters, they're not helpless or in need of saving. Like, no. you know, Nomi, she is ridiculous, but she doesn't need a man to come and save her. Like, I mean, she kicks the shit out of that guy um, as a revenge uh, for, for Molly's rape. And she's not totally in control of her life, but, but she's, uh, she's making a go of it by herself, you know? Yeah. She's definitely not helpless. Well, what do you think of the the portrayal of women in this movie and the other movies we've watched? I think it's really interesting that I'm not sure, like in regards to the critics, what the problem they have with this movie, like uh, people so out of touch that this doesn't happen because, <laughs> Like men speak to women like this. Like I wasn't shocked with what Tony Moss was saying right. because, like, there's always creepy guys to yeah, you. I need to talk to Frank. <laughs> no, 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 Frank's the opposite. <laughs> but there are like even when you're growing up, people say weird shit to you. Right. <laughs> like inappropriate sort of stuff. Yeah. Is that too real? No, not at all. That's the, it's, that's that's seriously. Wonderful. So I I, I don't it. get it. Like yeah, Tony Moss. I can completely see a guy saying that kind of stuff. I don't think it's far fetched. The 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 nudity in it. I think the critics see that straight away as being exploitative. You know, I mean, they see that as just Esther House and Verhoeven just you know having a good wank session. 
I'd be like, have you been to Vegas though? Like, like the the shows True. are yeah. are like goddess. They it's a weird like you know I couldn't. But one of the best nights I had was going to one of these shows. I I, I just went there and. I took dragged Katie along. She had a great time, and it's great. It's like it's, it's sort of it's just weird. It's like burlesque, um, yeah. like with this yeah sexy sort of Crystal Connors sort of MC and chicks doing magic, like nude magic and stuff. <laughs> I, it's a really hard to describe. So I'm like, yeah. have you been to Vegas? Like Jesus Christ, this uh, is, this is, those elements of it. Venga said to me, "Who goes to these shows?" That's what uh, she said. Now I know. Now I know who goes to these shows. I can you, say you John. Do went to I that show went in case went to this show okay and it was great <laughs> I, <laughs> it was I think someone should put that goddess show on surely someone's done that oh that would make yeah. a killing well i don't know what vegas thinks of it being represented maybe they love it i don't know astro didn't you get photos at the end with them definitely <laughs> I sent them to you. I, I was like, like I got photos with the chicks. I was like, come on, Katie. Hey, how come you didn't send them to me? I'll, I'll track them down. That was like I got all in. No, I loved it. It was just great. Like, like there's something about it. The huge hotel suites. Um, uh, like just yeah. Like I recognize that indoor where they go to Spargo's, where they sit down and have their little um their, their lunch together. I've been in that that um that hotel. And um, uh, it's just, it's just sort of like as long as you don't get sucked in and you're there thinking like there's a, there's a lot of what they don't show in this movie is um, the people who go to Vegas. They don't yeah. show, uh, they show the high rolls and stuff or whatever, but they don't show like there are just a lot of morbidly obese middle Americans and stuff like you know walking around with with these giant. Um, those long beaker like slushies. Oh yeah. You know, with alcohol in them. <laughs> they're just walking, they're just wandering around like like some people in wheelchairs. There's a lot of like lost, fat, gross, old, like <laughs> um disgustos. There is a lot of disgustos and that they're, they're not represented, you know. No. And uh so which is a shame. <laughs> you know? So yeah. Now um I think did, did you have anything to say about the music? Uh Dave Stewart from Eurythmics oh. did some of the music. Mm-hmm. Um I didn't really notice much of that. No, neither uh, did I. Yeah, well, it is what it is. But I will just I wanted to mention um now, as you know, I'm a bit of a fan of Prince. Now I did spend quite a bit of time listening to his music for, <laughs> I think for a year. <laughs> I just I only <laughs> listened to Prince. <laughs> And so I know one of these songs quite well. Rip Hop Go to Zipper. Uh, it's actually, it's the one James says he wrote. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's the artist formerly known as Prince who wrote that song. It's from an <laughs> album called, it's not on the soundtrack. And it should be because it's the best song in the film. Um, There's another Prince song called 319 or uh, 319 from The Gold Experience. It's also on here. Now, um, Rip Hop Go to Zipper is from Crystal Ball. Now, I think Prince is a the perfect artist for this movie. Mm. Like he, and he has no he has zero grounds to complain. Like Carl McLaughlin might come out and say, Oh, you know, it was terrible and I was in Blue Velvet and whatever. And you'd go, I'd just say, if Prince said anything, I'd say, All right, 
I'm so sorry, Mr. Prince, but um, you know, your work is brilliant and like incredible, but you also have bad taste as well. And you also have over the top elements and porno chic and inappropriate titties in your movies and stuff. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All sorts of stuff. Like, you know, he's got a song, an album and a song called Calm. You know, and he puts like <laughs> yeah. porno sounds and stuff. Like he does all yeah. that sort of stuff. Um, and um, uh, Crystal Ball, you know, is is actually a showgirls like in a way. Uh, it was a three disc album set that came out like in the mid nineties or whatever. And oh, there's a five CD version. <laughs> it is 149 minutes. Uh, <laughs> it's not good. And um, like, but it's better than, you know, anything anyone else is doing because he's Prince. But at the same time, it is just interminable and, and weird. And I feel like, you know, they picked like the best song from that. Uh, but that's that song uh, that, that, he, that he does his art show to, Rapopko de Zipper. Right. You can find it on, on YouTube and, and whatnot. And uh, I, I, I thoroughly recommend it. Mm. Perfect artist <laughs> for this film. <laughs> Well, I just noticed that the, the big production numbers in the Stardust Hotel, which is maybe Dave Stewart did those, did that music. I don't know, maybe, but it's well, like it's got to come from somewhere. Mm. I guess so. Yeah, well, it's sort of like I liken it to Oscars music. You know, like oh, when yes. they present awards and stuff. <laughs> it's always oh, no, when like, they want you to get off stage. <laughs> well, when they want you to get off stage, exactly. Yeah, so it's it's basically orchestral music with a with a drum beat behind it. You know. Yes. You know, which was fine. I mean, that's kind of the Vegas vibe of the of the show. So, but you know, I wasn't uh, I wasn't that blown away by by any of the music, to be honest. Because you were too no. busy looking at the puss. <laughs> I was. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Nice dress. Thanks. I bought it at Versace. In the forum. Oh yeah, Versace. I love Versace. Yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, that reminds me. So on the Me Too meter today, look, to be honest with you, a scene-by-scene scene analysis of this, of this would take days. Um, Seriously? There's <laughs> too much. So I just have three main charges uh, that I, that, that just general things that I think, you know, because we've talked about a lot. So heavenly bodies. So once again, we have a celebration of the female, of female beauty as seen by men. Hard bodies, perky bosoms. What message is this sending? Fat and ugly is all we should see on screen. Okay? <laughs> Don't eat brown rice and vegetables and Evian. They're tools of the patriarchy. That's what I say. <laughs> Next up, stay in your lane, boys. The key creatives here are cis white men. Verhoeven, Esterhaus, Mario Casar, the producer. As we know, it's not appropriate for men to comment at all about women or their experiences. The ideal world is one where women write women and men and men don't write at all. So because of this, <laughs> uh, this is what you get. You know, you get iced up nipples, lap dances and characters lezzing out for something to do. Okay. Scissoring. <laughs> slight scissoring. That's right. <laughs> scissoring. Yeah. March of the Pigmen. The creative team should be applauded because for once we are given a genuine insight into men. Uh, documentary of sorts, Zach James, Al Torres, Tony Moss, Andrew Carver, men are sleazebags, pimps, rapists, and they're all out to get you. Scheme me to get you out of your panties just so they can make you their bottom bitch. It's a glorious march of the pigmen uh, is what it is. So, you know, we've already been through a lot of our a, a lot of what goes on in this movie. What, what would you rate this out of uh, 10 on our Me Too meter? Mm. Oh, <laughs> it's got to be a million. Someone needs to break the picket line. And, and <laughs> it's got to be a million. 
It is, it is high, but I think that she does bring it down a little bit. Okay, so Nomi, you think, sort of counteracts some Yeah, a little of, bit. Some of the, 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 the strong sex work. Sex work is real work, counteracts well, everything. She kind of is just like, I'll do what I want. Like, and she's always rushing off the stage if she is offended and if she does get pissed off, like. Well, I feel like I, I, I'll go with eight and I because I like that that version of feminism, that second wave feminism of like, you know, um, you know, I'm, I'm in charge and I've got my choices and, you know, I do what I want, you know, whereas uh, there are, there's a different strand of feminism, which doesn't like that. It's like, no, no, you're making the wrong choices. Mm. Woman, woman, no me, you're making the wrong choices. I want you to make the choices I want you to make. Mm. And I don't like that. So I reckon about eight, but, yeah, uh, I'll go with it's eight. not as villainous as stripes or, <laughs> Ricky, you think it cracks ten? Oh, I think you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I think it's high, but it's not. I think we've 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 done ones that uh, that are higher. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. That just the, the girls that just kind of go along with it and don't yeah. fight back, or where or where the 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 heroes of the of the film are are also Mahoney. the pigmen. Mahoney, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just mention before trivia and uh, reviews, one little bit in the film that I love is when they're rehearsing and that gay choreography guy <laughs> with the red hair is like, because she's basically doing doing bridges uh, on her back, like thrusting yes. her pelvis, and he's slapping her ass going, thrust it, thrust it, thrust it. <laughs> and the camera's like dollying in on her. Yeah. It's yeah. really kinetic. And he's going, he's, he's like, thrust it, thrust it, thrust it. <laughs> That's a classic. That's so good. All right. Are you guys ready for some trivia? Yes. Yes. All right. So this is the first and only NC-17 rated film to be given a wide release in mainstream theatres. Uh, we've talked about the budget a little bit. Uh, it The budget was $45 million. It made $37 million. But uh, it made more than a hundred million in uh, home video sales and rentals and stuff like that, which is amazing. Um, yeah, Esther House and Verhoeven, they interviewed over two hundred Las Vegas strippers and incorporated parts of their stories in the screenplay. So yeah, I think that's cool, and I think that gives it a lot more credit. Yes, well, yeah, punished sure. though. I feel like they did. You know, I think it's how you package it up. Mm. You know, so it's all probably there, but in the end. It doesn't, you know, Basic Instinct was, they probably had zero consultants and just yeah. made that up out of yeah. the whole cloth yeah, yeah. and it mm. didn't really matter. Like, because the, the cinema doesn't care about your reality, but it, it's it's always an, you know, I think they hid behind that. And it's a shame because authenticity is good. But it shows, just, they, it shows intent though. Like they intended to find out what Las Vegas was really like, you know. But it also undoes them because the the, the argument has always been what did they intend? Calm Glockland says that he says, don't be mistaken. They wanted to make something serious, you know, yeah. um, other, and whereas Verhoeven, you know, even though he accepted his Razzie, mm. uh, he has said more recently that it was sort of like hyper real, really, you know, German expressionism and stuff. And you just go, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Yeah. So that brings me on to my next trivia point. Verhoeven was the first director to ever turn up to the Razzies, which is the Golden Raspberry Awards. <laughs> uh, it took out Worst Picture, Worst Actress, Worst Director, Worst Screenplay, Worst New Star, Worst Screen Couple, and Worst Original Song, 
as well. Um, yeah, I've mentioned that uh, Berkeley was dropped by her agent, Mike Menschel, following the film's release, and other agents refused to take her telephone calls. Um, <laughs> that's, 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 that's brutal. That's so really. rough. How old is she? Like 20 or something? Yeah, 22 or something. Oh. Yeah. Um, uh, the rights to show the film on television were eventually purchased by the VH1 network. Uh, because of the film's frequent nudity, a censored version was created with black bras and panties digitally rendered to hide all exposed breasts and genitalia. Uh, also, Crazy. several scenes were removed entirely, shortening the movie by at least 45 minutes. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> it's a two-hour movie. <laughs> yeah, it's long, I know. But, uh, Berkeley refused to redub her lines because MGM refused to pay her the fee of $250. So a noticeably different actress's voice can be heard on the soundtrack. Ooh. That, that, <laughs> that is shitty. They wouldn't pay her $250. To come That's in and dub so her lines. so rough. You know? I mean, if that was a bigger actor, they'd be paying thousands. I know. Fucking hell, 250 Jesus, MGM, you've got that money in the bank. <laughs> Even I've got that money in the bank. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Uh, in 2011, actress uh, Rena Raphael wrote, directed, produced, and starred in an unofficial sequel parody of the film titled Showgirls 2, Pennies from Heaven. She uh, reprises her role as the naive newcomer Penny. The film essentially follows the plot of the original film. That's mad. That's mad, that stuff. Like, I, you know, there's a whole tradition of those, that sort of American Psycho 2, and, yeah, you know, there's these sorts of films where you just go with that fuck is this yeah what's the point yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah in 2013 an off-broadway parody called showgirls the musical was staged and had actually really big success its tagline was singing dancing tits that should be our tagline, tagline. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes okay. well that is trivia uh, if you want to move on to reviews, maybe I've got yeah. a little bit to say about Go reviews. Uh, believe it or not, Ebert actually found some fun in this film. Uh, he gave it two stars out of four, and he says uh, the film is not, in short, quite unredeemably bad, and despite its NC-17 rating, it isn't anywhere near as perverted as Basic Instinct. The actors throw themselves into it with the abandon that material like this demands, and Verhoeven brings to it the same skill he once lavished on good movies like The Fourth Man and Total Recall. It's just that you can't believe a single second of it, and you do, uh, and you do begin to wish that his research for his next project, uh, Esterhouse makes it uh, his business to learn something about eroticism. Uh, Showgirls is such a waste of a perfectly good NC-17 rating. It's meant to be anti-erotic, though. He didn't. He doesn't get it. Like they, it's not an erotic film. <laughs> yeah, there's, I've not. got some other quotes from his thing here. I actually kind of think some of the comments he says are quite funny. Uh, a sleaze fest like Showgirls promises the inside dope on Las Vegas, stripping, hooking, and all that stuff. What Showgirls delivers, however, seems basically to be Joe Esterhouse's masturbatory fantasies. <laughs> this is from the guy who wrote the sequel to Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Valley of the Dolls. Uh... 
Yes. Uh, of Esterhouse, he says his insights into human nature come from Pulp Fiction and a fear of women palpitates in all his best work. They kill you, but if you're lucky, they'll have sex with you first and maybe put on a lesbo show. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. It sounds like good cinema, though. It does. <laughs> <laughs> He says this of Berkeley. She has a fierce energy that's always interesting. That's oh. true. Actually, I completely agree with that. I know I've slammed her a little bit, but it reminds me of that. Uh, I've said it before, I think, as a quote um, from Kubrick. Uh, you know, it was, a, it was a direction that he gave to Jack. Jack did something on The Shining and he said, yeah, it's real. He said of the beat, he said it's real, but it's not particularly interesting. And right. Kubrick always focused on interesting performances. And I feel like... Um, Berkeley's performance is absolutely interesting. Absolutely. Mm. Uh, I've got another quote here. If all lap dancers get as carried away as Nomi does, I'll bet they're consistently seeing a chiropractor about their backs. (laughs) 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 He goes on and on with that sort of stuff. I think he had a great time reviewing showgirls, you know. Mm. Uh, New York Times New York Times says the biggest risk they've taken here is in making a nearly $40 million movie without anyone who can act. The absence of both drama and eroticism turns showgirls into a bare-butted bore. (laughs) Uh, I've got uh, my final quote comes from The Guardian in 2020, actually. uh, And they say, with showgirls, the target was the American dream itself and the dishonest Star is Born narratives churned out to sustain it. So they had a, a bit of a positive review there. I could see, that, you know, and on the intersectional framework, I can see how they would be on board with this film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just can. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, they're losers. So um, <laughs> I think, you know, I, the last thing I want to say about it is just a nod to Mario Casar, the Lebanese film producer, whose name, whenever I see his name at the beginning of a film, I'm always, I always sit up in my seat and it always meant something when I saw Mario Kassar and Andrew Bajna, Banya, but before a film, I'd be like, oh, or Korolko was their company. And whenever that would appear, I'd be like, you know, I, I, I knew something interesting was going to happen. And, you know, and so stuff they did over the years, First Blood, Rambo, First Blood Part Two, Angel Heart, which is great. Uh, Rambo Three, obviously, Red Heat, Total Recall, The Doors, um, T2. Uh, so they didn't do the first Terminator, they did the second one, Basic Instinct, Unisol, Cliffhanger, Heaven, Heaven and Earth, and they did Stargate as well. So interesting stuff. Uh, again, a bit like the Canon guys, you know, and this is a quote from one of them. I think this is from Andrew Bajna, the other, one of the other producers. He says, We always work outside the studio system, and the studio for us is just a, a, just a means, a method of distribution for the product. We like to creatively do the project ourselves and do not do it by committee. Independence is the only way we work. And I think that, uh, you know, it's that type of spirit that's given us uh, all, the, all the greatest films that we love, you know, from Pulp Fiction, Crash, Basic Instinct, you know, it doesn't really matter what, what it is. Um, you know, the prime mover of interesting work is bold, big, bold visions, like outrageous risk takers, mavericks, aggressive, unreasonable, you know, they hate the boardroom, fuck the committee. You know, these people make the world interesting and um, it would be so fucking boring without them. And cinema would be so fucking boring, which is what it is today. So we need to seek out these these people, you know, and and somehow get them back in power by, by supporting their work. Because, you know, if you want the committee, you're going to get Daryl Hannah's butt CG'd out with her hair on Aww. Disney+. Plus. Do you know what I mean? But if you want, you know, we need Dino De Laurentiis. We need 
yeah, um, Carol Co. We need Cannon. We need we need um, uh, what's his name? Is it uh, Lawrence Lawrence Bender, uh, Pulp Fiction and QT's producer and all that? We need these these bold visions, you know, uh, to to make all this this really interesting work. Because you know, think about it. Like you know, if, although we had we laughed at this film, I still think it's fucking better than the shit they make today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Honestly, it's got more. It's alive and it's for adults. Mm. Fucking hell. How would you even explain to a kid today? You'd just be like, oh, we used to make films. You know how they make films now sort of for children? Yes, go on. And you go, well, they used to make them for adults. (laughs) Adults. Adults. I don't know how to pronounce it. (laughs) Before the term adulting was around. Have you heard of this term? Oh, fuck that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Oh, like, I had to go to the post office today. Hashtag adulting. Adulting. Dumb, dumb. <laughs> Red stuff. Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Because I have one. Ooh. Give it to me. Showgirls, a masterpiece of shit, a deep stroke of brilliance. <laughs> Best that's, one yet. That's got everything. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's no, I can't top that. Can we do more quotes? Oh, have you got quotes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) She looks better than a 10-inch dick and you know it. (laughs) (laughs) Is that from that big gross lady? Yeah. And (laughs) another line from her, she misses us like that lump on my twat I had taken off last week. Oh, my God. She is gross. Yeah. (laughs) You can't dance. Uh, What am I doing? Teasing my dick. <laughs> I have that written down too. <laughs> of course you did. What about what about the Japanese businessman in the cheetah who says, in America, everyone's a gynecologist? <laughs> yes. Very interesting. <laughs> you could quote this all day. This you could. We, and we could talk life. about it all day. We could. I th- I feel I when I I actually want to. It made me want to get a 4K copy of it and like screen it. Like I want to like I want yeah. to experience this movie again and again. I want to show people. I haven't had that impulse in a long time. I used to show movies to people, and I sort of don't do that anymore. I'm a bit of a, a recluse. And um, I, this movie, watching it again, I was like, I want to show this to people. So I think I might do that. Well, we should do a live one when we are all together. Sure. Mm. Watch Absolutely. it all together. Yeah. Do it now. Are we going to do Basic Instinct? Yes. We probably should. If if this is going to be a Joe Estherhouse uh, film festival. Excellent. We have to do Well, it. I, you know, I will attempt to uh, have a critical eye to something I love really well <laughs> a lot. <laughs> uh, so, yes. Next week, Basic Instinct. I've never seen it. Great. Excellent. <laughs> love it. That's good. That means yep. you're coming fresh. Yeah. You know? Mm. Well, we said what we said, AJ. Mm, yeah, I'm good this week. Okay. <laughs> what, did, what did I say? They they get the, the rape is on. Yeah, the rape is on. <laughs> the it's gang like the... rape is on. Oh, is that what I said? No, 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 you didn't say. You know, like Glenn Frey. The rape is on. Rape is on. On the street. <laughs> <laughs> that cannot be the ending. <laughs> oh. Well, I was going to say we said what we said, but then I just said that shit. So, (laughs) unfortunately, we said what we said. Uh, We do not condone rape. 
We do not. And until next time, long live the new flesh. Long live the new flesh. Is there something wrong with your nipples? They're not sticking up. Play with them a little. Thrust it. Thrust it. Thrust it.